Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. Good evening and welcome to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. We're your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. Thank you for joining us. Before we introduce tonight's guest, here's Tamara who's going to tell you what we're working on now. All right. Um, we both have new books out, solo this time. Um, mine is called Brimstone and it's t- it takes place in 1968. The Brimstone Grand Hotel, owned by reclusive former movie star Delilah Devine, was high on Hospital Hill, harboring law. All right. We are having technical difficulties with Tamara, so I will finish this. (laughs) Within the walls of the Brimstone Grand, the past has come back to life, and Holly Tremaine and her grandmother Delilah are faced with an ancient familial evil that rages just below the old hotel's serene facade, an evil that won't rest until it possesses Holly, body, mind, and soul. Uh, Also, I have a new release out. It is called The Silver Dagger, and it's book two in the Vampires of Crimson Cove series. Uh, Life in Crimson Cove has been good to the Coulter brothers since Gretchen Van Treese was staked and her horde of vampires scattered. But when she rises from the grave, the brothers are torn apart, their lives and the peace between them shattered. Meanwhile, a serial killer is stalking the little mountain town, leaving a trail of blood that leads to a truth Sheriff Ethan Hunter doesn't want to face. The streets are no longer safe, nor are the forested paths, for a new and unknowable evil has come to Crimson Cove, and everyone, vampire and human alike, must come together in order to survive. Uh, you can also check out, if you're into that series or vampires, you can check out Darling Girls, which is a Thorn and Cross collaboration. Uh, again, very briefly, you're listening to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and tamarthorn.com. You can visit our mutual blog at thornandcross.wordpress.com, or if you tweet, our handles are at crossalister and at tamarthorn. Uh, be sure to visit us also on Facebook at our Haunted Nights Live page. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at authorsontheair.com. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. All right. uh, Tonight's guest, we are very excited to have with us the uh, one and only, the Preston and Child. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about each of them, and then we're going to talk about their new book. Uh, First, Douglas Preston has published a number of solo novels, including Tyrannosaur Canyon, Blasphemy, and Impact. His recent novel with Lincoln Child, Cold Vengeance, hit number one on both the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestsellers list. Uh, Lincoln Child is the author of multiple techno-thriller and horror novels, including the Jeremy Logan series. Many of the collaborative novels have become bestsellers, and their first novel together, Relic, was adapted into a film, a fantastic film, by the way, which I recommend you see. Their new book is called Old Bones. It's a tale featuring a new protagonist named Nora Kelly, who's on the trail of a lost Donner Party encampment. It hits bookstores August 20th. So let's talk a little bit about that. All right, uh, Lincoln and Ch- uh, Preston and Child, how are you guys? Well, I'm great. I I think Lincoln's trying to get on the air, but having technical difficulties himself. Is he? I'm not sure. Is Can he? you Can hear I... me? Oh, there you are. Hi. <laughs> Hi. 
All right. So, yeah, I think we're having some sort of studio issues, I'm going to guess, but I'm I'm not sure, but I can hear I hear you guys okay. Do you guys hear me okay? You're loud yeah. and clear. All right. Then I you know what? Then we're good. All right, Old Bones, uh, we just both, uh, Tamara and I, Tamara's actually gone right now because she's having issues with her phone or something. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, uh, if she comes back, I'll let her back in. But um, we both received um, early copies of Old Bones, and they just came. uh, Both of us, we just got them, uh, like yesterday. And we both have started it, and both Love it. I mean, this is Tamara is telling me she's going on and on about it. I'm, this is great. This is fantastic. This is great. What are you reading now? Whatever it is you're reading now, you need to read this. <laughs> I'm like, fine. I'll look at it. I'll check it out. So I, I did. I kind of looked through it, and I'll tell you what. I just started reading it. You just, you, you can't help. This is fascinating stuff. So that said, can you guys tell us a little bit about Old Bones? Well, it, uh, it's actually based on a true story of the Donner Party, which uh, many, many people are familiar with, especially Californians. This was a group of emigrants uh, who were uh, pioneers in 1846 heading to California, and they took a shortcut, which turned out not to be a shortcut at all, and they got caught in the mountains of California, the Sierra Nevada Mountains, snowed in during the winter of 1846 and 47. And there they began to starve and die, and eventually uh, many of them began eating their dead companions. And so it's a horrific story of, of, one, of the, one of the most horrific stories of the settling of the West. But there were two Donner camps, and both of them had been excavated by archaeologists and found some really interesting things. So the the basis of our novel, Of Old Bones, is that there's a third Donner camp. And our, our character, Nora Kelly, who has worked with Pendergast on many uh, investigations before, is able to find this camp and is excavating it and making discoveries that are even more horrific than cannibalism. So that's essentially how the book starts. Right, right. Now... Um, this was a truly horrific. Uh, you know, it's 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 hard to believe, and and I, I don't. I, all my life, I've heard of it, but I don't know any of the details. If if I read this book, am I going to? Is what I'm going to learn? Is it is it mostly true? The Donner Party stuff. Yes, it is. We um uh we we pride ourselves on on basing um our our novels, our thrillers, as much as. On fact, as possible, uh, and, and Doug in particular, you know, has ridden all over that area and knows it well. Um, he studied monographs on the subject, and um, you know, one of the things we've learned as writers of fiction is that the more truth you can put into a story, the more interesting it is for readers. You know, they learn about whether it's history or geology or chemistry or outer space, whatever. But also then it builds a platform for suspension of disbelief. You know, I mean, in this case, all the all the details about heading over the, the Sierras um, were are, are are completely accurate. And you know, and the the storm, storm after storm, you know, it's just one more reason not to go to California. 
<laughs> right, right. I have a, uh, I have a question. Yes. Can you hear me okay now? Yes. Close yes. the door so the dogs yep. are gone. Um, yep. <laughs> um, I was reading last night and pausing to look things up. And, oh, it's all true. And I'm wondering about Tanzine Donner's journal. Is it's there a rumor that it really exists? Uh, yes, um, it is actually. Uh, you know, there's many mentions in the historical record of Tamzine keeping a journal uh, very, very, very meticulously. And uh, even though she died and unfortunately was eaten uh, by another uh, settler named Keysburg, but um, her and all the stuff from those camps, you know, a lot of the rescuers took these things out. And so everyone believes, the historians believe that this journal certainly did exist and probably still exists somewhere. It's just nobody knows, you know, it's probably in somebody's trunk, in an attic, who knows where it is. No one has actually recognized the significance of it. It's so great. And was there an old house that was torn down? As no, no that's, um, that's something that we made up. So the, 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 one okay. of the first chapters in the novel is that is that there's an old house in the foothills of the Sierras uh, being torn down for a development, and the journal is found in the, the attic of this house. But it's probably that may happen. Who knows? I mean, that journal probably exists somewhere, and at some point it'll be found. And who knows uh, if it will turn up in the demolition of an old house or whatever. And that third camp of ours is entirely fictitious, but it, uh, even though the, the main two camps are entirely, you know, accurate um, within the scope of the novel, but, you know, having a third uh-huh. camp allowed us to let our our gruesome imaginations really run wild. <laughs> oh, right, I can't right. wait till I get to bed tonight and get further into it, I'll tell you. You get me up late. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> was there a rumor of a third camp, or did you, is that... Fiction. There, there is uh, uh, some talk about exactly where everyone was because the wagon train was strung out over 11 or 12 miles when this terrific snowstorm hit them in the Sierras. And so they gathered into two main camps, but within those camps there were areas where people were, you know, not everyone was living in the same place. They were separated uh, quite a bit, so it's not actually been ruled out that there wasn't a third camp. There could very well have been a third camp, and it's also believed mm. that they have not found all the areas where they lived in those first two camps. So, really, the third camp is an, not an entirely fictitious idea. This this is so wow. great. I have it is. It makes me curious. Which, lived in that area. How did yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. And and I'm curious about which which one of you two said. You know what we ought to write about is <laughs> the Donner Party, because <laughs> you said something, uh, Link. You said something about your gruesome imaginations, and I've I've read plenty of uh, both of your books, and you both definitely have that. That's for sure. And and I I love that about you guys. But who who said let's let's explore the Donner Party? <laughs> Well, as, as usual, it was a totally joint effort. I mean, we were wrapping up 
more uh, probably wrapping up, but nothing is certain, uh, a, a series of books about a character named Gideon Crew. Crew. And I was talking to Doug, and I said, you know, Nora Kelly is a fantastic character. Um, and, you know, she'd make a perfect uh, person for a new series. You know, she's has a very adventurous career. She's She's been in some of our more interesting books. She uh, is a very strong-willed person. Um, I think we had to consider her for a series. And Doug said, well, it just so happens I have an idea um, for uh, the perfect the perfect, you know, spot um, in which to put her because he'd recently reviewed a book about the Donner Party. Um, and uh, he knew about it, you know, like the back of his hand anyway. And it, it came together probably in the course of 20 minutes. Wow. That's fascinating. Uh-huh. So now how many uh-huh. books has Nora Kelly been in previous to this? Well, no, about that's a, half a dozen, probably, wouldn't you say, Doug? Yeah, I think about that. She was first introduced in the novel Thunderhead, which was not a Pendergast novel, but then in our great novel, I think one of the best ones we've written, The Cabinet of Curiosities, she was one of the most important characters. And in that novel, Pendergast asks for her help to to excavate a strange... Uh, occurrence, a, a strange discovery is made in Lower Manhattan as they're building the foundation of a building. They find 36 bodies of young women who were murdered by a serial killer in the 19th century, and the serial killer was never caught. In fact, it was never known that he existed because these were women who were in workhouses and nobody really noticed that they were gone. And so Nora Kelly is called in to from the American Museum of Natural History, uh, not the Ameri- the New York Museum of Natural History, in order to in, you know, do a proper archaeological excavation of these of these remains, and also to do some more archaeology that's required in other parts of New York to uncover what happened. So, and then she marries another very important character in our Pendergast uh, series. Uh, we can't tell you about that except that it was quite shocking what happened. And she also helped Pendergast significantly in uh, other books, um, such as White Fire. Uh, and so she's really, um, she's actually, you know, we, we call it a Nora Kelly book, but the most interesting thing uh, we think and one of the most exciting is that actually there are two heroines. Um, in this book, and we'll be going forward. Oh, great. Nice. I nice. read Cabinet of the Curiosities. I knew she sounded familiar to me, and the name. That's why. That was a great book. Well, our readers uh, really love Nora Kelly. We've gotten so many emails from readers saying we just adore her, we love her. Is she ever going to have a series of her own? And we thought, well, why not? Um, why not? Yeah. Uh, she's really a great character. We really love her ourselves, and she's so she's such an interesting, vibrant, and complex mm-hmm. person. You know, she's in, in in working with Pendergast. I think they, the two of them work together very well. And in fact, in this novel, Pendergast makes a cameo appearance 
to great effect. Nice. Nice. Ah. I love that you do that. You know, that's one of the funnest things mm-hmm. about, um, you know, any 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 author's uh, body of work, really. Um, I, I, I love that, being able to see, you know, I don't know, just familiar faces and familiar the places. The universe, is that, yeah. Is that, yeah, exactly, the, the, the universe, yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. we're, we're trying very hard to, you know, document that so in future generations, Generations when scholars, you know, study our oeuvre, it'll make it easier for them. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, when they're when they're writing PhDs about us in the future, we'll, it'll uh, all it, it'll all be great fun for them. Right. <laughs> so now, um, answer, oh, oh, me. Sorry, what's up? Okay. Do you ever, um, in your solo novels, Alistair and I in our solo novels? freely put in each other's characters from our collaborations or each other's solos. Do you ever do that? Well, that's an interesting question. You know, we've created all these characters together and we, you know, own them together in a sense. We're we're yeah. we're a, a not a trinity but a a a, dual, a duology. What do you call two gods? Anyway, that's what we are. <laughs> For those characters, for those worlds. But uh, for our solo novels, we've created those characters ourselves, and um, I don't think we, we've ever had any crossover there. We, we don't want uh, that kind of, I, I wouldn't want Lincoln's characters polluting my, uh, my solo novels, oh. frankly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no would I want to bring my book down to the level of his. You know, it would, um, we actually talked about oh. this. You know, we talked about it early on because we really like cross-pollinating our joint books and, you know, tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. But um, we felt that it it just wasn't appropriate, you know, that if we did that, there would be no stopping it and it might spread, you know, <laughs> like, you know, uh, like Ebola or something. Um, and we couldn't yeah. stop it. So we, we, we worked hard yeah. to isolate our solo books um, from, oh, wow. from the joint. Well, we just go ahead and pollute each other, but, you know. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Different strokes. So over the course mm-hmm. of any given year, between your solo works, your respective solo works, and your collaborative works, on on average, how many how many books do you kick out in a year? Well, I would say uh, probably about one and a half. So we really – so in every – in in every two years, we publish three books. That's essentially, I think, where we're at. Right. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Now, you guys... We're trying to... Uh, we're try- I'm sorry. We're trying to up that quotient because there's always a demand that we want to meet. But, you know, working... Uh, having two writers together, we think is greater than some of our individual parts. Um, but it also means that we... We'll never, you know, do a book that we're not a thousand percent excited about um, or interested in. So, you know, we're not ever going to phone in our books or, you know, anything of the sort, which, which for better or worse, to our bottom line, limits to some degree our output. Yeah. Right, right. But that's nice. And you guys have been doing this for a long time. Um, you are one of the 
very rare um, writing duos that have uh, been able to pull off writing together for years and years. Um, how do you do it? What's the secret to your success in collaboration? Most people uh, really advise against doing that. Um, Tamara and I work together well, obviously, but I think that's, you know, it, it's rare. I mean, it's 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 really yeah. hard for two people to get together and to create something like this together. What do you think sets you apart, you two, uh, that, that makes it work for you guys? Well, they, it's they, funny you mention that because when we started out, you know, it was in the late 80s, really, um, uh, early 90s. And, and I can't remember any other regular series of books except The Laughing Policeman, which was which was translated from Swedish or something. In fact, our, our publisher seriously considered calling us Lincoln Preston because it was oh. the idea of having a novel by two people. <laughs> Seems so off-putting, right. you know. Um, yeah. Uh, but the, what what happened for us was, I mean, we've had our ups and downs, obviously, like any partnership has. But you know, um, Doug and I worked together when I was his editor, and so we knew each other pretty well, and we knew each other's strengths, and we trusted each other's intellects, and. Um, you know, I, I, I think I taught some things to Doug about editing, and he taught me a lot of things about writing. And um, over the course of time, we not only, you know, realized how much we respected each other's uh, tastes and um, and how similar our, our, our feelings were about most things, but we also realized that it was a, we were, it was a really rare um gifts we've been given, you know, there's this kind of yeah. uh, partnership, you know, because usually right. ego gets in the way or one person is, you know, lacking in whatever, you know, taste or, or stamina or, you know, whatever might be. And we've only gotten, um, I think, more pleased with our relationship and how it works over the years. And, and you know, there's no sense that you know, our solo books have to outshine our joint books because, you know, we're we're so pleased with what, what we've accomplished with Pendergast um, and and his legacy. Well, I have a right. I, I have another answer to that question that uh, Lincoln didn't mention. Everything he said is true, uh, but uh, in addition uh, to that is the secret that you know. Research has shown that marriages where the two partners uh, sleep in separate beds are stronger. Well, Lincoln and I <laughs> are 2,000 miles apart, and that really helps our relationship, <laughs> our, our partnership. We, we don't spend yeah. too much time together and get sick of each other. Uh, so when we do see each other, it's always a joyful occasion, and we – we break out a bottle of single malt and have a few sips, and we talk about what fine fellows we are, and no work gets done. <laughs> so it's important that we're right. 2,000 miles apart. Yeah, yeah we're about 1,000 ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it's all yeah, true. Yeah, Everything you say, we feel so <laughs> lucky. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like a gift or something, and uh, especially if you tried collaborating before. And, and hearing all the horror stories, it's wonderful. 
it's it's wonderful yeah. to hear that you guys are so tight, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, even even though you're two thousand miles, of, and that probably is the secret. That yeah. that may very well be it. You know, it's just, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> But you guys also have extremely uh, similar, uh, I don't know, sensibilities. Uh, if you read a, mm-hmm. a, Doug, a Doug Preston book and then you, you read a Lincoln Child book, it's, it's. I mean, there's a difference, but it's, it's. there's a... Yeah. You can see how they could fuse, and they do fuse very nicely. Yeah. Well, we, we, uh, uh, yeah, we, we enjoy we each other's intellect a great deal. What, what was that? I'm sorry, Doug. No, I was just going to say we we really enjoy each other's intellectual company, and one way to, to to do that is really through the books we write together. Because Lincoln is an expert in in a number of fields that I find totally fascinating, but I don't know much about. Like he knows a great deal about cryptology and cryptom, crypt, cryptanalysis mm-hmm. and uh, computers and things like that. And also Lincoln knows a great deal about archaeology. Comes from a family of archaeologists as I do, so we have a lot in common, but we also complement each other intellectually. That is able to answer any scientific question you have, you know, and 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 go on about it uh, until you ask them to stop. It's, uh, it's a remarkable gift <laughs> and one that's come in handy to us all the time. All right. Uh, well, we are just about out of time, but um, so the new book is Old Bones, and it comes out August 20th. Um, before we let you go, could you tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and what you do? Well, we have a website. It's www.prestonchild.com, and uh, you can read all about us at the website. We even have a section which is my personal favorite, although Link doesn't like it, called the Rogues Gallery, and it's uh, it's it's sort of a collection of all the really bad, bad, bad reviews that we've gotten, uh, with our snide, nasty <laughs> rejoinders. <laughs> so, so you can enjoy that, and you can also read about old bones and and look at a lot of pictures of us, uh, you know, I don't know, Lincoln and I on our tour bus and various other things. So. I don't hate the way right. into this. I'm the too lazy to update it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you guys are, as always, a treat, and uh, you're welcome yeah. anytime. And I would say that despite the technical difficulties, we did awesome. This <laughs> But uh, all right, so Old Bones comes out August 20th. Uh, Tamara and I are both reading it, and it is absolutely unputdownable. That's the only way to say it. Oh, yeah. It truly is. It, I was just skimming it because I wanted to have an idea what we were going to be talking about, and it just came yesterday, and it is really hard not to just keep reading. So congratulations on yeah, that, and you that's guys. Fine. You guys really, yeah, yeah, good job. Seriously. And I'm sleep deprived because of it, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> good. <laughs> Thank you. All right. <laughs> yes. Thank well, you guys thank you for coming on. Uh, you are welcome. You're welcome anytime. And uh, mm-hmm. thank you, everybody, for listening. Until next week, we wish you haunted nights. And sweet screams. Thank you for listening.
Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. 